a.k.a. Bo Snerdly, on 77 WABC, the crown jewel of American radio. Welcome to your Monday afternoon, President's Day, also known as Get Your Appliances on Sale Day. James Golden with you here on WABC Talk Radio 77. If you'd like to be part of today's program, 800-848-WABC is the number to call, 800-848-9222. And we will have, very shortly coming up, a very, very special guest. She has written two amazing articles over the last four or five days. Her name is Margaret Cleveland. She is with The Federalist. I referred to one last week, five media lies about the latest special counsel revelations, and she has taken apart and parsed what the mainstream media has done after Durham's filing in the Michael Sullivan case, pretty much trying to circle the wagons around Hillary with a, oh, there's nothing here, there's nothing here. They're usual, that they blind their fellow Democrats with so that their Democrats, fellow Democrats never understand the gravity of what's taking place. Well, today she has another piece in the Federalist, four special counsel revelations tying Spygate to Hillary's campaign. So we're looking forward to that. Now, for those of you that want to know the deets on some of these stories, right here, tell your friends. Have them listen. Let us run through some headlines, ladies and gentlemen, first. And I don't, I had them in order and now I don't. We've got a headline here uh, from Binghamton University, New York, of course. Woke Binghamton sociology professor is slammed for saying she has priority to, quote unquote, non-white folks. So this is the exact opposite of the kind of racism that we saw earlier and two centuries ago and the beginning of the 20, 20th century where it was okay to say to, to black people, you know, get in the back of the bus, oh, no, you're not needed, colored folks don't need to apply. Now it's white people. And she, by the way, is white. Um, this is not, uh, she is, her name is Anna Marie Candela. I suppose she might be a white Hispanic, but whatever. She's white. And she said that, uh, um, and just admitted, yep, Yep, the non-white folks got priority in my class. Great. Here's some news you can't wait to hear. More contagious version of the Omicron spreads in U.S. fueling worries. Well, what do we have here? Yet another variation. This is the more contagious variant, the Omicron variant BA.2. That's it. And supposedly... Now, the the Omicron cases, the, the COVID cases all around the country have been going down. I read a story earlier today, didn't pull it, didn't print it. Uh, it was It's dropped from 800,000 cases uh, a few weeks back to about 100,000 cases last reported. This week, life is getting back to normal in some, certain places. And so, of course, what do we have? Well, we've got a new one. And it's more contagious than ever. It's the Omicron variant BA.2. There are some stories in the news that should assault your sensibilities if you have at all parental instincts. Here is one that took place in California 
or some refer to the state as Californicate. But anyway, California, a group of parents are furious. They are furious after, get this, a biological male, non-binary counselors, more than one, after biological male, non-binary counselors slept in rooms with little girls at camp. This was that parents said that their children who attend Weaver Elementary School in the Los Alamitos Unified School District came home from spending three nights at Camp Paley in San Bernardino. And they told their parents that non-binary yet biological men stayed with them overnight in their rooms. Some of the parents called the school. They asked them up front, could they confirm that there was not a man actually sleeping in the same cabin as the girls? The school was unable to confirm that. This is part of, I guess, what they're saying, that this is part of the new gender policy in Los Alamitos. Unified School District. So there it's okay. You want to call yourself a non-binary whatever, and you're a man, yep, go ahead and mix it up with the little girls. Los Angeles District Attorney, speaking of L.A., George Gasson, is walking back his earlier statement saying it was okay in the sentence of a woman who pleaded guilty to sexually assaulting a 10-year-old 10, a girl, he gave a little slap on the wrist sentence, and now he's saying, oh, you know, gave her two years. She's now 26 years old. He sent her to two years at a juvenile facility because this happened a while back. Now he's saying, you know, maybe it wasn't the right sentence. But in California, here's another example of what's going on there. And there means all over liberal land, not just California. These are the stories that have But you can rest assured that these same things are happening in other cities, and we will be hearing about them as time goes on, folks. Here's, here's a story. California trans child molester Hannah Tubbs gloats over light sentence in jailhouse phone calls. This is the same DA that's letting people walk. This, this guy, George Gasson. And explicit jailhouse recordings of this woman, 26-year-old transvestite, child molester. She got a slap on the wrist last month after pleading guilty to molesting a 10-year-old. Depicting her admitting it was wrong to attack the girl, but she's gloating over the light punishment. In one recording, and I believe this was with her father, she says, I'm going to plead out to it, plead guilty. They're going to stick me on probation. It's going to be dropped. It's going to be done. I won't have to register. Won't have to do nothing. She's gloating. And then <clears throat> this it was with her father. You won't have to register? Her father asked her on the other end of the phone line. I won't have to do none of that. So what are they going to do to you then? Nothing. And then she starts laughing. Now, this is another I'm sorry. If you want to be politically in line, he is transgender, but this is a man, again, accused of molesting a 10-year-old girl. He's not even 
He's gloating. He doesn't even have to register as a sex offender. After molesting a 10-year-old girl, Facebook executive caught in pedophile sting after allegedly grooming a boy 13 years old. I'm not going to get into the details of that. You'll find it in the Daily Mail. Now, let's go to Nolans, NOLA, where the mayor, Mayor Latoya Contrell, held, get this, yes, a maskless ball. But, okay, you say, what's wrong with holding a maskless ball, James? We all want to go to a maskless ball, don't we? We don't want to wear masks to the ball. We want to just have a good ball. Okay. Well, the deal is she held the maskless ball after she reimposed the mask mandate on her subjects in the city. So, once again, Democrat mayor imposes these mandates. And then not only flaunts it, but in your face flaunts it by holding a maskless ball, taking videos. After Fox News started digging into it, the video suddenly went away. Now, there's an article about old Ted Turner. He's 83 years old. Apparently, Ted Turner's not doing too well, suffering from the same kind of brain disease that Robin Williams was before Robin Williams committed suicide. And apparently in the interview... Uh, in, in the story, it says that Ted Turner is walking around with a silver, um, a silver gun, that he had a silver pistol that his dad committed suicide with. He's carried it all his life, apparently. But here's the upshot of the story buried in all this grim prognosis that, that Ted Turner is. And we certainly look, Ted Turner, I know many people say liberal CNN and all that stuff. Nobody wants to see people suffer. He's 83 years old. Hope that he can get through this. And, and enjoy what is left of his life. But this this story gets near the end to the point, and it says that over the years, Ted Turner has been adamantly against what ousted CNN Worldwide President Jeff Zucker did with the, the, the company that he founded, CNN, by turning it into an opinion network to compete with Fox, losing the concept of hard news. And he... and, and the story goes on to say that the new shareholder, Discovery shareholder, who's going to be influential in what happens to CNN, John Malone, is saying he speaks for Ted Turner, saying CNN should stick to news and let all this opinion business go. So I imagine there are going to be some big changes at CNN. Kamala Harris being ripped for her performance. She was sent overseas to deal with Biden's mess that's going on with Russia and the Ukraine. And yes, it looks like Russia is taking steps to raise the raise the chips. They've just laid down another one, and we'll see another two. They're going to basically annex two provinces in the Ukraine and call them and, and declare them sovereign, which is just like another middle finger toward everybody that's saying don't metal into the Ukraine. So all this is poised for an invasion. Looks like they're going to be war. The story here, and this is from Fox News, is that Kamala went overseas. She did lightweight talk, meandering talk. I mean, let's really take a moment to understand the significance of what we're talking about. I mean, listen, guys, we're talking about the potential for war in Europe. And the leaders over there are just aghast. They're saying this woman is horribly inept apparently, at her job. This is an article 
that from NPR of all places that I looked at the article and I was stunned, shocked. Okay? Because the article says, get this, U.S. Census Director says the Bureau is strengthening firewall after Trump meddling. I'm like, huh? And here's the deal. The, the Biden administration is drafting new rev, regu, regulations to try to better protect the Census Bureau from any future political interference from its parent agency, the Commerce Department, the Bureau's director, Robert Santos, told NPR. Now, what's wrong, James? Why did you... Okay, has everybody forgotten that the Commerce Department and the Census Bureau are under the direction of the President of the United States. They are part of the executive branch of government, which means Trump wasn't meddling in something that's independent. He's doing his job as president. These people believe that they, not the president, are in charge of the Census Bureau and the Commerce Department. And and what Biden is, oh, we're going to stop in case Trump gets back in, we're going to make sure he can't meddle and meddle and meddle with the agencies that he is constitutionally charged with being in charge of. It makes absolutely no sense. We're going to take a break right now. When we get back, hopefully we'll have Margaret Cleveland on the line. We'll start in on understanding what's going on with that latest Durham filing, the real deal, not the BS that you get from the lamestream, mainstream, corrupt media. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurley, here with you on 77 WABC. Don't forget, Catch It Night comes after this show. Keep it right here. Tell your friends about Margaret. She's coming up. You're going to want to hear this interview. Don't go away. That, of course, is Big Hit. Do what you did. And it's time, ladies and gentlemen. For Margaret Cleveland. Federalist is where you will find her articles. These are suggested from me if you're really interested in the Durham filing and understanding it in depth and understanding the media stories from the left that have pretty much castigated the Durham filings and the reporting on it. Oh, nothing, nothing. This is nothing major. She's here to explain. Margaret, welcome. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Well, thank you. These are incredible. To me, they're bombshell articles. Because what you've done, I look, I, I followed the timeline of all this like you did. The, the, the Durham filing came, the news came, and I noticed there, were, there was about a day's silence from the left. They didn't, none of the big outlets responded the next day. But then, two days later, they started circling the wagons around Hillary. And after you read what was in the mainstream press, you would believe that there's nothing to these the Durham filing and that uh, these right-wing conservative nut-tin-foil-hat creeps are out there with another vast-wing right-wing cons- conspiracy trying to damage good old Hillary, and there's nothing to it. You... Absolutely. You went through it. Tell us what you found and the five media lies about the about the special counsel revelations. 
Great. Thanks so much. So as you noted, it was two days of radio silence. And as your listeners know, on Friday it hit and Durham even was trending on Twitter. And I thought, oh, the media can't ignore it. But come Monday, they started spinning it. And like you said, the first thing was, oh, it's just these right-wing wackos that are saying this. So, of course, they put it down to Trump and started you know, pointing to all the people around Trump who were pointing this out, which, of course, that has nothing to do with what is in the filing. What And the what is in the filing that is important? What sure. is the... So what? in the filing, what we had was evidence that while we had the election passed, we still had continued surveillance. And when I say surveillance, there are different ways you can surveil. And one way that you had the enemies of the president-elect doing it was looking at communications that were coming into different places connected to him. So his New York apartment building, a healthcare uh, organization in Michigan, which was supposedly somehow connected to this whole Alpha Bank uh, hoax that was going on, but also the executive office of the presidency. And one of the things that you saw the press doing, and I, I want to really break this down because they did a great job of misdirecting here. You had the press saying, oh, well, Trump was not yet in the executive office. You know, he wasn't yet sworn in. So none of this matters. But what Durham's filing said was that Sussman went to the CIA and presented to him these logs that showed that there were communications between these supposedly rare Russian cell phones by the executive office. And the whole reason for doing that was to somehow say that Trump was having these communications with Russia or was somehow colluding with them. So that was that was the, the huge blockbuster that came out was that we're not just talking about Alpha Bank. We're talking about a second hoax that they were peddling, which was that there was communication between people related to Trump and these Russian cell phones, and that that was peddled to the CIA. And not just that it was peddled to the CIA, but they had evidence to show that there was nothing really unique about these types of communications, that it was actually going on long into the Obama administration or long ago into the Obama administration. But again, it was a bait and switch. They said, oh, that had nothing to do with Trump. They weren't spying on Trump. He wasn't even in the White House, but he was in his transition period. And why were they presenting that evidence to the CIA? It was because they were trying to show there was a connection to Trump and the Russians. So it it was something that was pretty clever on their part for the misdirection. But if you dig into it, they were completely wrong. Now, this Sussman that you mentioned, let us make sure people understand who he was. He worked. He's a lawyer who worked Mm -hmm. for Hillary Rodham Clinton's campaign. 
And he was also interacting with the law firm that Hillary hired to do her dirty work with the Michael Steele dossier and the rest of it. So there's a lot of collusion here, but Donald Trump has nothing to do with it. <laughs> Absolutely. And there were a lot of Russians involved, but the, they didn't have anything to do with Trump. You have Dan Checo, who was indicted as well, who is a Russian nationalist, who was feeding Christopher Steele this intel. He was a Russian. And then you had uh, Dolan, who was, you know, the the Clinton crony and big DNC guy who had a ton of Russians connections, who was also inadvertently, if you if you look at what the indictment said, feeding stuff to Steele because Danchenko was taking what Dolan was saying and twisting it. So, like you said, there's a lot of conspiracy and collusion going on, but it wasn't Trump. And there were a lot of Russians involved with it, but it wasn't involved with Trump. It was involved with Christopher Steele and what was going into the dossier. And what was and that was all being paid for by the Clinton campaign, it is believed. And and now so let's go to the four revelations. I got about four minutes left with you. Walk through walk us through these revelations. The four special counsel revelations that are tying uh, Spygate, as it's being called, to Hillary's campaign. What are they? Okay, so one of the things that we had uh, that I put in my piece today was that this was the Clinton campaign. They were the ones who paid for this dif- disinformation going both to the feds and to the media. So that was really part and parcel if you go through all of Durham's filings. But it wasn't just the Steele dossier. The second one was that they also paid for these reports to be drafted by Sussman, the lawyer, and to be peddled to the FBI, dealing with the entire idea of the Alpha Bank. So it wasn't just the Steele dossier. Um, and also, as, as I was noting before, so I, I actually kind of skipped over number two here, but number two was that it was a Clinton crony and a longtime Democrat as well as the Russian Danchenko, who was feeding this information indirectly to the FBI through the Steele dossier. And again, there's no evidence that Dolan knew that this is going to Steele. He knew that Danchenko was working on some project about Trump. But what happened was Danchenko, who was the primary subsource, he passed on info to Steele that went into the dossier And that was what then went to the FBI and went all over the media. And then the last point that I think is really important is to realize that Jaffe, so Rodney Jaffe, tech exec one. Yes, he's a he is a Clinton campaign, another employee. He's a tech executive, Rodney Jaffe. Right. But he is actually not a Clinton campaign employee. And that's what they keep stressing. But he was supporting her, and I'm calling him a pro bono supporter because he wasn't being paid to dig up dirt. He was just doing it because he liked her, he didn't like Trump. Or you can take a look at what was in the indictment that said he thought he was going to be appointed as the top security job when Hillary won. So a lot of people are putting down to, well, he wasn't on the payroll. He wasn't being paid by Clinton campaign. So what? 
he was doing it for free. He and was you know, still working with the campaign, I guess is the better way to say it. So, right, he was working part and parcel with Sussman. And right. Sussman was the pay guy. And Sussman was billing for the time he spoke with Joffe. So it has... So what? He wasn't being paid by the campaign. He was still working with her campaign lawyer to put together these false statements that, you know, the whole, the Alpha Bake hoax. And, you know, I'm sure he's going to say, oh, I didn't know it was false. And we'll have to see where that all lays out when, um, you know, the evidence finally comes out. But that's how this info got to the FBI and to the CIA and to the media and it all ties back to Hillary Clinton. And now here's the question that I think most Americans want to ask. I'll let you go with this. And I'm not asking you to speculate on it. But I, but the question that many people are asking, does this go higher than Hillary? Does this, in fact, go into the Obama administration? Or does all of this, this spying on Donald Trump, rest with Hillary Clinton and her campaign only? I don't think it rests only with her campaign, but I don't know if it's up to Obama or if it was blind eye and ostrich and what part of the government. But a lot of the government knew what was going on and they might have pretended that they thought it was legit or they were so anti-Trump that they fell for it. But the the government, all the, the FBI agents, the intelligence community, a lot of them were in on this, not necessarily with a bad motive. Maybe it was an ignorant motive. Maybe it was motive by hatred. But this was not just a Clinton campaign function. So the Durham firings are real. This is real stuff, and this stuff could have major consequence as we go forward with the case. We hope you'll be joining us. I know you're going to keep watching this case, and you'll be continuing to write. Uh, where can people find you on social media? Sure. I'm on Twitter at Prof. MJ Cleveland, and I am also over at the Truth Social, the same, at Prof. MJ Cleveland. So hopefully people will check them both out. All right. Definitely check out The Federalist, which is a great publication, and definitely check out the work here. This is amazing work. Thank you for joining us, Margaret. Appreciate it. Thanks so much. Take care. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snerdy, with you on WABC Talk Radio 77. Coming back. Your call's coming up. Don't go away. It was a duet for the ages. Denise Williams, Johnny Mathis. Too much. Too little. And too late. You know, I get a lot of comments about the music and some suggestions. Uh, You can reach me at jamesgolden.com. We have a news blast that goes out twice a day. You can sign up for it there if you want to. jamesgolden.com or bosnerdly.com, either or. And there's a story that this is... Look, I read all around the news spectrum, and I get a lot of heat on Twitter for that. I post stories from liberals and some people on Twitter. What are you doing posting this garbage? Why don't you stop posting this? Look, I post what I want to post, number one. But I read from everywhere in the news spectrum that I can. 
because I want to know what, what the other side is saying, and I want to also know what they're thinking in case there are really good journalists out there who do present thoughts. But so, I read a story today, and and most people wouldn't they'd say, okay, another nice story. But to me, this story goes directly to the genius, to the genius of the American founding. Let me tell you what the story is. It's Americans are fleeing to places where political views match their own. This is an NPR story. The story goes, it starts off, there's a private Facebook group with nearly 8,000 members called Conservatives Moving to Texas. Three of them are sitting at a dinner table, and, of course, the author of this piece says, and they're in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, none are vaxxed. And they love it here. One of them says, as soon as I drove into Texas, literally, as soon as I could get into this state and stop my truck, first stop for gas, it was like, this is wonderful. People weren't wearing masks. Nobody cared. It's kind of like heaven on earth. Now, the article goes on to say that America is growing more and more geographically polarized. Red zip codes are getting redder. And blue zip codes are becoming bluer. People appear to be sorting. There's another quote. We felt very out of place and uncomfortable at times, says Tiffany Wooten, a 43-year-old stay-at-home mom whose family recently located from conservative Indiana to liberal Austin. We were looking at blue cities because we wanted to be with our own people. Now, I think this is great. One of the things that the founders did, and please keep in mind, I don't want to do like a big, long history talk here, but this is important. For the first half of our founding, up and through the Civil War, it was different in America. Most people didn't identify with America the nation first, They identified with their state first. Who are you? It's not that I'm an American. I am a Virginian. I'm a Texan from Texas. I'm a New Yorker. I come from that state of New Jersey. I'm from Pennyvania. And all the rest of it, people identified, American citizens identified more with their states. Because that is one of the things that the founders had set up. The idea was that states were supposed to be the laboratories of democracy. And yes, don't correct me, I know that we live in a republic. But the idea was that states were supposed to be the laboratories. And it Okay. See, this is what real diversity is about. It was okay that states were different. It was okay that some states had tighter rules, let's say, on gambling or certain other vices, and other states didn't. Because if you didn't like what was going on in a state, you could up, get in the old covered wagon, you know, whip the horses a little bit, and I don't say that meaning whip them painfully, you know, like that thing with the ring, like, I don't know what you call it, 
when you use the reins and make the horse go. I'm a city guy, you know. Um, anyway, you could get in the old covered wagon, head out west, head out wherever you wanted to head out, where you thought life was going to be better for you and your family. And that was the idea. Now, of course, after the Civil War, we marched toward a new kind of federalism in this country, where now you have all these laws that the feds have to get involved in everything. And the feds have to have one blanket law for everything, one size fits all. That was not the vision of America as founded. So when I read this article that people are now moving to the states where they'll be around, around like-minded people, they're moving to red states if they feel like they're conservative or Republican. They're moving into these blue hellhole cities that Democrats corruptly have been running for over 100 years and ruining if they're you know feeling like they're progressive and blue. Yeah, I'm okay with that. That is the vision that the founders had. Choose your state. Choose where you want to live, and let's conduct this experiment. And over time, the feeling was that if we did this, the best society would grow with the best ideas moving forward. People would identify which states were more successful, which states were more prosperous, which states dare I say, had more freedom. Look at today. Look at today. Look at Florida. Look at contrast Florida with Michigan. If you want freedom, which state do you go to? Look at South Dakota versus California. If you want freedom, which state do you go to? Look at Texas versus New Jersey. If you want freedom, what state would you pick? This was exactly what the founders had in mind. And so I'm glad that NPR has discovered that Americans are moving and that the red states are getting redder. And the blue, they're getting bluer. Because, you know, one of the reasons I'm glad about it is because if that trend continues the Democrats are going to have a real hard time as more and more state legislatures turn Republican, and they are. The Democrats are going to have a real hard time in presidential contests and in national contests. Now, don't let's not forget, California, the lefty state of California is always going to be out there. Oregon. Washington State, that whole western and the whole eastern, the coast, the liberals seem, until you get to Florida, and that's where the liberals seem to own the northeast and the coast of Florida. And they've made some inroads in the Carolinas. But by and large, the the breadbasket of the country, what they call flyover country, it's all red, with few exceptions. And they're going to have a very difficult time if people start to abandon the cities because of the out-of-control crime and mismanagement. Democrats are not looking at a good future if this trend continues. Let us go to the phones. 
Karen, Washington, D.C. Welcome, WABC Talk Radio 77. You're on with James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly. Hi, James. I was just calling in to express my frustration with the current uh, mantra being repeated by conservatives like Ed Fellner at Heritage Foundation and certain of my professors at Hillsdale College, and that is they think we need to move past Trump because they think he's too divisive and toxic, even though they say they agreed with most of his policies. And I think that this is a trap by the Democrats and the media and the rhino Republican establishment because it says that we owe something to the Democrats when we do not. I don't see how we have to prove ourselves after two bogus impeachments, the Russia investigation, Kavanaugh, et cetera. Uh, I mean, if anything, it just shows that we need to push harder against them. We need to win. And I mean it substantively. We need to get policy, ram it through as, as much as we can, like there is no tomorrow. And Trump has shown that he can, he knows how to get things done. He knows how to call people out and put names to things. And I, I still think he's the man for the job. And it would be a mistake to say that MAGA is a winner and Trump is a loser and to make that separation. I couldn't agree with you more on most of the points that you said. I don't think that the Democrats are involved with this. I think this is all internal GOP stuff, right? And this fight between the moderate and the liberal wings of the Republican Party and the conservative wing. Now, when Trump first was 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 becoming popular in the primary season, a lot of conservatives were out expressing doubt that he would be conservative. What happens? Long story short, he wins. What happens? He does more things to please the conservative base than any other president in our lifetime, period, any other. And that includes the great and the wonderful Ronald Reagan. And he did all of this with Republicans and Democrats stabbing him in the back politically. Trump has, is an incredible Incre- he was an incredible president, and the and he shows what a fight it is that conservatives are really up against. You know, Rush used to talk about some of these same conservatives who would have these cruises every year and 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 have these magazines in Washington, and years and years going out, reaching out to tell um, the conservative base, oh, here's what you should do give us money, here's what you should do, give us money. And when we have a president that was actually implementing legislation, conservative values, things like fixing the border, what did these same Republicans do? They crossed over, went with the Democrats. You know some of the names. You know who they are. You even see some of them on MSNBC, some of the sellouts. Well, I agree with you, Karen, and I will tell you what I think needs to happen this primary season. We, the Republicans, need to clean house of our rhinos. And we need to start with the 13 rhinos who gave Joe Biden the lifeline and voted for this phony infrastructure bill. I think there are eight Republicans left on that voted for the impeachment of Donald Trump. Every single one of them needs to be swept out. You are absolutely right. And I appreciate the call. We got to go to a break. James Golden, 
Bo Snerdy here with you on WABC Talk Radio 77. Remember, John Katz coming up next. Make sure you keep it here. Catch it night, and we'll be right back. Welcome to the golden age of radio. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snerdly, is on 77 WABC. Uh, James Golden with you here, Bo Snerdly. WABC Talk Radio 77. We still have time for a few more calls. 800-848-WABC is the number to call. Keep that number handy. Keep it near your phone anytime, day or night. And remember, Cats and Night coming up next. Keep your dial set right here WABC. You know, there's a story in the Washington Post today that tells you a lot. It, it should tell you a lot. Education, traditionally a strength, has Democrats on their heels. Now, when did you think that you would be that? You know, and it says minutes after uh, Stacey Abrams announced her candidacy for Georgia governor, the current governor, Brian Kemp, made clear he would put education at the center of his campaign to keep his job. With Stacey Abrams in control, Georgia would have shut down. Students would have been barred from their classrooms and woke politics would be the law of the land and the lesson plan in our schools. That's what Kemp, a Republican, said. Well, now, education has long been, you know, the wheelhouse of Democrats, even when Republicans had the edge on other matters. But this year, Democrats are being tested like never before as the party confronts a multi-pronged attack from Republicans in a challenging election year. They disagree, these Democrats do, about the best way to respond to all of this. Well, hello, Democrats. This is all of your own making. You have been Democrats hustling race for more years than anybody can remember now. You've been hustling race since the 1960s. You've been pitting one group of Americans against each other since the 1960s. You have successfully, in some cases... So conditioned certain black people that they think they're part of the permanent victim class and they view themselves as victims and they teach that victimology to their children. That's all Democrat Party stuff. That's policy. That's handbook Democrat. That's handbook progressivism. And people that don't know history, and let's face it, So many in our country don't study history, don't know history. They don't even know what the progressives were really all about. They don't remember that Margaret Sanger, who ushered in eugenics before Adolf Hitler took up the mantle in World War II, Margaret Sanger, who as a stated goal when she established Planned Parenthood, wanted to rid the country of inferior people. And she considered blacks to be inferior. These progressives wanted to do the genocide on black people that Planned Parenthood is doing today. People have forgotten that these failing schools that they, that that still cater in black sit in, in in black communities and cities all across the country are run by Democrats. It makes no sense that for the past thirty and forty years. The same schools in the same neighborhoods are failing. 
and you have a revolving it doesn't matter who comes in. It could be a black mayor. It could be a white mayor. It could be an Asian mayor. It could be a woman mayor. It could be a male. It could be a transgender male mayor. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who comes in. The schools still fail. They still fail these kids. Year after year after year, hundreds of thousands of these kids released in society, some, in some cases functionally, functionally illiterate. Then you have the out-of-control crime. You know, Mayor Adams the other day said, we're going to get crime under control in the city. This guy has the best suits I've ever seen. I mean, this guy is always dressed to the nines. This guy dresses better than Obama. This guy could be a fashion model. It's too bad that all those suits seem to be empty, even when he's wearing them. Because he said the other day, oh, yeah, we're going to make the city safe. We're going to make this. You know what happened over the next four days? Seven people got stabbed in the subway. So much for making the subway safe there, Mr. Mayor. Let alone, we still have this ridiculous bail reform that's letting these. I started to say a word that I should not say, but letting these criminals, in some cases, Criminals with a long history of crime roam the streets and prey on New Yorkers and people from everywhere else that are in this city. Housing prices are going up. Thank you, liberals. Do you know, ladies and gentlemen, what the cost of lumber has done to the average home build? And this has all been since Joe Biden, who came in saying, oh, you know, Donald Trump's not a grown-up. Donald Trump doesn't know how to do anything. Well, look what's happened since Joe Biden took over. He blamed Trump, and he shouldn't have, for the COVID deaths in this country. Well, right now we have more COVID deaths under Joe Biden than we ever did under Donald Trump. Who's blaming Joe Biden for it? Who's blaming Dr. Fauci for it? But you know what he's done to this economy? Go fill up your tank. I filled up my car the other day almost 100 bucks. When it was Donald Trump in office, I was paying 40 to fill up my car. Now it's almost 100 bucks. Go and look inside some of the supermarkets and look at the empty shelves and say, thank you, Joe Biden. But you know, when housing, the average cost in building a new house, just because of the increase in lumber, Under Joe Biden, $18,000 more. $18,000 price increase to put up a house with, with lumber. That's just the lumber cost. That's not everything else. And now the Fed is talking about squeezing, making money tighter. It's not going to solve inflation. I tell you what, folks. Yeah, the Democrats are in trouble on education. They deserve to be. And it didn't just start now. They deserve to be in trouble on education for the last half century. But I'm glad it's coming to a head now because parents are no longer standing for this crap. They don't want their children learning this racial hatred being taught in schools under the guise that critical race theory is doing good. They understand that this is just hatred that's being, that their children are being the subjects of propaganda from the left wing. And that it's hateful propaganda, and they don't want that for their kids. 
And then these gender policies are turning the world upside down, and parents are supposed to just close their eyes and go along with this nonsense so we get what we had today. Grown men sleeping overnight in a school-sanctioned camp with little girls because they're non-binary. It doesn't make sense. I'll be back tomorrow. New York City is, shall be, the greatest city in the world, even though we have our challenges. And we here at WABC are going to be instrumental in change and making it a better place to live. The United States, greatest country that humanity has ever witnessed. God bless, protect each and every one of you and your families. Remember, Cats at Night coming up next. Keep it here. James Golden, peace out. See you tomorrow.